I want you to take your Bibles this morning and open them up to the 8th chapter of the book of Mark. Mark chapter 8. And just keep your Bible open there if you would. In Mark 8, chapter 18, there's a very, very interesting, interesting word that we need to look at. Give me the choir an opportunity to go down. You know, it's possible to have ears and not hear. It is possible to have eyes and not see and not to remember. And Jesus made that clear to the religious leaders of his day. In Mark chapter 8, verse 18, listen at these words. Having eyes, you do not see. Having ears, you do not hear. And you do not remember. Interesting. They heard, but they didn't hear. They saw, but they didn't see. And they didn't remember. You know, that was exactly the case of the disciples. For three years, they followed Jesus. For three years, they heard him teach. For three years, they saw the lame walk and the blind see and the dead raised. And they had left everything to follow the Lord. And the Lord tried to prepare them for what was going to come. He did everything he could to prepare them for his crucifixion and then for his resurrection from the dead. But you know what? Having ears, they didn't really hear what he said about the resurrection. Having eyes with their spiritual eyes, they didn't really see what he said about the resurrection. Now listen, how many times Jesus told them. All right, in Matthew 17, verse 33, 22 and 23, just listen. He said, the Son of Man will be be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. Now, what what, what is that hard to understand? He said, now, y'all listen. Here was Peter, James, and John. I'm going to be delivered. I'm going to be betrayed by Judas into the hands of sinful men, and they're going to kill me. I'm going to die on the cross. But on the third day, I'll rise again. Well, he said it again because he wanted them to be prepared for what was coming. In that same chapter of Mark, chapter 8, verse 31. Now listen to what he said. It couldn't be any plainer than this. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man would suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days will rise again. Man, he spelled it out for them. He said, now it's going to be awful, but listen, it's not the end. I'm going I'm to rise on the third day. Well, Peter took him aside uh, and said, Lord, you can't be this. You, you can't do this. You, 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 you can't die. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. 
you do not know the things of God. You know, I wonder, is it possible for us to hear that Jesus is alive and somehow hear it, but not hear it? To, to see that with our spiritual eyes that Jesus is alive, but somehow not see it. You say, how in the world, Brother Fred, could the disciples uh, not hear it? You know, you know what happened? When, they betray- when Judas betrayed Jesus in the garden, and they took him away. Now listen to what happened. It says in, in Matthew, in verse 20, chapter 26, it says, And all of the disciples forsook him and fled. Now wait a minute. Matthew 26, 56. All the disciples forsook him and fled. And Peter denied him three times. You know, they had heard, but they didn't hear. You see, he he said, they're going to kill me, but I'm going to rise again. Now, if they had heard him, they would not have forsook him and fled. They would have said, hey, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. We know what's going to happen. And they would have stood strong and courageous. But man, they scattered like quail because they had heard But they had not heard. They had ears, but they didn't hear. They had eyes, but they didn't see. And all of them forsook him and fled because they had not let the truth of Jesus get in the heart. You say, Pastor, how could this be? How could this be? Well, let me ask you this question. What difference has the resurrection of Christ made in your life? You know, you're here this morning. Because you believe, and rightfully so, that Jesus is alive. You believe that. I believe that with all my heart. But I want to ask you, what difference has it made in your life? How does it affect your day-by-day life? You know, it could be that we have ears, but we haven't heard. And eyes that we haven't seen and do not remember. I asked the question to myself, why did the disciples who loved Jesus, who followed him, who left all for him, their boats, their nets, their family, why why did they all flee? Why did they all forsake him at that crucial hour when he had told him what was going to happen? You know what it was? It's called F-E-A-R, fear. It was fear. You know, the Bible says that the devil is a, like a roaring lion who goes around to see who he can intimidate. And you know what a roaring lion does? It roars to put fear in the heart of its prey. And you know, that's exactly what happened to the disciples. You know, you know fear can manifest itself in many ways. I, I read recently or some time ago, we all know about the dear Abby and the column that she answered questions from people. And they asked her, uh, what question did she get more than any other? And she said she got ten or 15,000 letters regularly. And the most uh, important question people wanted to know is this. How do you deal with fear? 
I thought it would be marriage or money. No, no. How do you deal with fear? Because let me tell you something. It's common to every one of our lives. And it's how we deal with it. And you know, when they, they saw Jesus beaten and saw that, man, they, they were afraid and they just scattered. And you know, what kind of fear was it they had? Well, first of all, it was a feeling of disp- a fear of despair and uncertainty. You know, if you're full of despair, Lord, what's coming up next in my life? I mean, Jesus, I, I, I followed you for three years. All my hopes were built on you. All my plans were built around you. And now, you're, 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 they're going to kill you. And, and, and man, there was just a fear of despair that gripped their hearts. And, and that despair was not only, but it was uncertainty. That, that they, they felt their future and their security was in Jesus. But here he was, treated like a common criminal, about to die. But you know, if they had just heard him, if they had just had ears to hear, he said, oh, they will, but on the third day, I'll rise again. But they didn't hear. And so they that fear, that was the despair and the uncertainty. But you know, there was also uh, the fear that they would kill them too. It says over in the last chapter of Mark, that when Jesus rose, the disciples went in a room behind locked doors for the fear of the Jews. And this was what was going through their mind. The enemy was saying, well, buddy, they killed you. And they know you, his follower, and you're next. And man, they let the fear of, 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 of this danger of being killed. They let that cause them to run and to hide. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus said, they're going to kill me. But listen, I'm going to rise. I'm going to be victorious. Everything's going to be fine. But having ears, they did not hear. And eyes, they did not see. It was a fear bound up in hopelessness. They looked at their situation now. And not only was there despair and uncertainty. And not only was there the fear of, of death. But I'm telling you, that there was the fear of hopelessness that gripped our hearts. Now, nothing is going to be right. Nothing is going to change. The rest of our lives, we're going to live with the fact that the one we followed died and they were hopeless. They didn't have to be. They didn't have to be. He said, they're going to kill me. But on the third day, I'll rise again. But they had eyes, but they didn't see. And ears, but they didn't hear. I I want to ask you. Have you not just heard about the resurrection of Jesus with your ears? Have you heard about it in your heart? Can you say today, not historically and intellectually, Jesus is alive. But you can say that he is alive in me and he is alive in you. Let's let's read the good news one more time. And I'm praying that you'll hear it with your ears and see it with your eyes. In Matthew chapter 28. I love this account of the resurrection of Jesus. Man, it is so filled with drama and so filled with truth. If you've got your Bible, just open it and look at it. You'll love this. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Now, it was Sunday. That's what it was. 
You know, all up, up until that time, under the law, they'd worshipped on Saturday. Saturday is, by the way, Saturday is the Sabbath. That's the Sabbath. And all they'd always worshipped and observed the Sabbath. But now, it's Sunday. It's the first day of the week. And Jesus, that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. So they get there on, on Sunday. And look what they find. They're going to, by the way, it says they were going to see the tomb. They were going to pay their respects. They were probably going to leave some more flowers where they believed the Son of God. They were going to see the tomb. Just like a man told me leaving church today, he said that he went out to the cemetery yesterday. His wife died about two or three months ago. And he said, I just went out there and talked to her. You say, well, that's weird. No, you'll go ahead and talk to her. That's good. Talk to her all your life. But they went to see the tomb. But look what happened. The Bible says in verse 2, there was a great earthquake. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Now, buddy, that was a big stone. And not only was it a big stone, there were, there were soldiers everywhere guarding that tomb because the rumor was out that the disciples were going to come and steal the body of Jesus that night. And so, man, they had the soldiers there, and they, it, was, it was worse, better than any fortress. A big stone over the door of the tomb, and an earthquake came, earthquake came and the stone rolled away, and the, this angel came and sat on the rock. Have you ever seen an angel sitting on a stone? I'd love to have seen it. Listen to how it describes him. His countenance was like lightning. And his clothing as white as snow. Man, there he is sitting on a stone that's been rolled away from the door of the tomb. And his countenance is like lightning. And his garments as white as snow. What about all those soldiers that were standing around? Well, listen to what it says. In verse 4. The guards shook for fear of him. And became like dead men. You know what they did? They all fainted is what they did. They just hit the ground. They were like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus. Who was crucified. He is not here. Now listen to this. He is risen as he said. He's not here. He's risen, just like he said he would be. Come see the place. I want to show you where his body was. Come see the place where he laid. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So he went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to bring the disciples word. He is not here. He is risen. I like to take the word not out and put it this way. He is here. He is risen. When they said he is not here, he is risen. They were talking about the tomb. We're not talking about the tomb today. So we're going to take the word not out. And I'm going to say he is here. He is risen. And he is here. You, well, I was too early. He is here. 
and he is risen. Now, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. That's exactly right. And that's why we're here. And that's why there, there are people all over the world that are celebrating the great event of history. Not only his death, praise God, but his glorious resurrection from the dead. But what we've got to ask the question is this. What does this mean for us today? What does this mean for us? How does it affect us in our everyday life? Well, I don't believe you can really believe in your heart that Jesus is alive and live the same way you've always lived. That's impossible. So I'm going to give you about four things that I believe the resurrection of Christ means to you and me today. And if they're very personal, by the way. It's for each individual here who will repent of their sins. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And with a broken heart, turn from their sins and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the living Christ comes to live in them in the person of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what, when the disciples knew he was alive, there was a dramatic change in their life. He came to the room where they were behind locked doors. And when they appeared to Jesus, appeared to the disciples, it says they were glad when they saw the Lord. Now listen to me very carefully. The same disciples that forsook him and fled, scattered full of fear. On Pentecost, Jesus came to live in them in the person of the Holy Spirit. And these disciples became bold, fearless witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they not only lived for him, but they all died a martyr's death because of their faith in Jesus. It is said that Peter was crucified upside down. Beloved John was banished to the Isle of Patmos. They all died because they said, he is risen and he is Lord. So the resurrection of Christ transformed those disciples and they became different men and different men and God mightily used them to turn the world upside down. And we're here today because of their witness and their faith. So what is the resurrection? The fact that Jesus is alive mean to you. And what does it mean to me? First of all, it means this, that Jesus lives to live his life in you. See, that, that's what makes it personal. He lives to live his life in you. Now, understand what happened. He was crucified. On the third day, the Father raised him from the dead. For 40 days now, he, he mingled among his disciples and was seen over 500 brethren at one time. And then, in Acts 1, he ascended back into heaven, and today he is seated at the right hand of the Father, the visible, bodily, awesome Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father with all authority in heaven and on earth. But before he went away, he said, now listen, it's to your advantage that I go away. The disciples I know felt just like I did. Well, how can that be, Lord? I mean, you're, you're alive, and, 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 and how's it going to be my advantage that you go? He said, if I don't go away, 
the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit. And he, and he called it a comforter, one who comes alongside to help. He said, if I, if I go away, I will send another comforter, another of the same kind, my spirit, and he will come and live in you. Now listen, Jesus Christ comes to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now how do I know that? Well, first of all, the, the Holy Spirit's called the Spirit of Christ. It says uh, over in Romans chapter 8, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... He is none of his. Well, how do I know that Jesus comes to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit? Because he said he would. But you remember at Pentecost, they were all gathered there and the day of Pentecost came. And there came a, a, a rushing mighty wind. The Bible said they spoke with other tongues or languages. And then there came a, a fire. Now get this. A flame of fire that set on every one of them's head. Every one of them. Can you imagine what that looked like? Our God is a consuming fire. God appeared as fire to, to Moses in the burning bush. And here was the picture. The, the, the tongues as a fire set upon their head. And the Spirit of God went right into them and began to dwell in them. And from that moment on, Christ was alive in those disciples in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, this is what makes the difference in your life. Christ lives to live his life in you. When you were saved, when you were born again, when Jesus changed your life, at that moment, the Lord Jesus Christ came to live inside of you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Amazing, amazing that Christ has come to live in me and in you in the person of the Holy Spirit and he lives in us. You know, it's all over the Bible that Christ lives inside of us. See, we kind of get the idea, well, Lord Jesus, you came into my heart and you saved me and, and, and you're up there. I'm glad one day you'll come back and if I die, I'll go to be with you. But, Lord, I'm down here, and I'm going to do the best I can. I'm just going to do the best. This is a rough world, Lord. But I, I'm going to do the best I can. Hey, wait a minute. That is absolutely, totally, 1,000% wrong. Jesus Christ has come to live inside of you. And all that he is, he is in you. And you live every day of your life with the fullness of Christ in you if you are a child of God. Now, now let me just give you some verses that say that. You can't say it any plainer than this. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. I took my place in death with him. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Man, what part of that do I un do not understand? Christ lives in me. You see, Jesus lives to live his life in you. We see this also in Colossians 1.27. Paul said, The mystery has now been revealed to the Gentiles and Jews alike. And it is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of the glory of God is Christ living in you. And then it said again in Romans 10.11, 
If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, now being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. It is the life of Jesus in us that saves us from the power and dominion of sin every day. Hey, what does it mean? Jesus lives to live his life in you. You know, I, I remember so well growing up. We'd go to church on, on, on Sunday. And, uh, and the reason we went on Sunday is because every... That, that was the day he rose from the dead. Now, there are many people, the Jews and others, that still practice the Sabbath on Saturday. But why do we go on, uh, on Sunday? Because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And you read the book of Acts, and the early church assembled on the first day of the week. And the first day of the week is Sunday. I remember going to church, and, and, and I'll tell you, there was a song that just absolutely, even though I was limited in my understanding, that I knew it was true, and I wanted it to be true in me. And you know it very well. It goes like this. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. The personal awareness. Jesus Christ lives to live his life in you. You know, I love that little chorus. He lives. I think we ought to sing it. Let's sing it right now. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Christ is risen. All right, Christ is risen, risen and he is risen and lives his life in us, and we live by the power of Jesus who lives in us. Here's the second truth of the meaning of the resurrection for us today, and you need to get this. You will. You'll hear. I'm praying you'll have ears to hear and eyes to see. Jesus lives in us, and it is by his presence in us that we have the power to live a holy and a righteous and a godly life. Now think about it. This is a wicked world that we lived in, that we live in. It is a wicked world. The Bible says in 1 John 5, and the whole world lies in wickedness. Man, I don't have to tell you that. You're aware of the presence of evil but the Bible says that it is the presence of Jesus in us that enables us to live a holy life and a righteous life and a godly life. Now, you know, the word holy means a lot of things to a lot of, a lot of people. They say, well, it's a holy vessel or it's a holy place. It means a lot of things to a lot of people. 
But the best definition I've ever heard, and most Greek scholars who have studied the word holy, they're basically in agreement that this is what it means. And you're not going to understand it at first, but you will. To be holy means to be a cut above. A cut above. So God is holy, holy, holy. He is far above. Far above any other being. There's none like unto him in the, all the earth. God is holy. But wait a minute. What does it mean for us to be holy? It means that we are a cut above. We live above the level of this sinful world. We live above the level of this wicked world. We don't live on the same level as this world that lies in, in wickedness and under the control of the wicked one. No, Jesus Christ has come to live in us and he's given us a new life. And now we are living a holy life. It's above the level of the world around us. It's above the level of the world around us. Listen, in First Peter it says, as he, as he who has called you is holy. It's First Peter 1, 15. As he who has called you is holy, you be holy and, uh, and all of your conduct. For he says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, I understand that. He who called us is holy, so you be holy in your lifestyle. For he says, be ye holy, that I am holy. I want to ask you something. Are you living above the level of this world? Are you living just like the world lives? No. God's children are holy. We're a holy nation, a holy people, chosen unto God. And righteous. See, the power of Christ gives us the power to live a holy life, a righteous life, and a godly life. It is His life in us. Titus 2.11. Listen to this. The grace of God has appeared to all men, Jesus, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present age. I love what it says. You know, my favorite passage about this matter of living a holy life. And if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn there for just a moment. It's Romans chapter 6, verse 4. By the way, Hebrews 12, 14, you know what it says? Pursue peace with all men. Listen, and walk in holiness. Without which no man will see the Lord. But you know in Romans chapter 6. It talks about the fact. That we've been united with Jesus. In the likeness of his death. He took us to the cross with him. Positionally. And we've also now been united. In the likeness of his resurrection. And because of that. We can live a righteous. And a holy life. Alright let me ch find chapter 6. Now listen to what it says in verse 4. I'm talking about your identification with Christ. You are identified with him in his death. When he, if, you, if Christ lives in you, when he died, you died. That's why we baptize. You, and you see, we are buried with Christ in baptism. So it's a picture of burying the old life that we were in Adam. And we're raised with Christ to walk to newness of life. Now let's listen to this. It talks about our union with Christ in the resurrection that gives us the power to live a, righteous, a holy life. All right, verse 4, Romans 6. Hear me. Therefore, we're buried with him in baptism unto death. That like as Christ 
was raised from the dead. We too should walk in newness of life. We went to the cross and Jesus forgave us and changed us and we were buried with him. But we've also been raised with him and we walk in newness of life. It's called the resurrected life of Christ in us. If we have been united together, you know what it means to be united means to be joined. If we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. We've been united with him in his death and we're united with him in his resurrection. And he goes on and says, knowing this, I love this. Why don't we, let me tell you why we don't have to sin. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus put our old nature, he put our nature in Adam and nailed it to the cross. Listen to Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man, that old us that just loves to sin and wanted to sin, and, and that was our lifestyle, it was our practice, that's the way we live. Knowing this, our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin may be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be the slaves of sin. Verse 8, if we died with Christ, we believe we shall live with him. And then he says in verse 11, reckon yourself to be dead to sin because you were united with him in his death and resurrection. Count it a fact that you're dead to sin, but you're alive to God, alive to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus lives and it is his presence to give us the power to live a holy and a righteous and a godly life. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And because of that, we not, he not only lives his life in us, but we have the power by his presence in us to live a righteous and a godly and a holy life. Here's the third thing. Jesus lives in us and he enables us to live an abundant life. I want you to think about that. Abundant life. He lives in us so that we can live an abundant life. John 10, 10 says, I have come that you might have life and you might have it more, what? Abundantly. Hey, listen, you know what abundant life is? It's that Jesus Christ has filled that God-shaped vacuum in our life. That Jesus Christ has filled that emptiness in the depths of our soul. And no longer are we empty. You know what happens? You look at the world. Just look around you and look at you before you got to know Christ. And if you don't know him, you need to know him. Just remember how you just try every way to, to fill that emptiness in your life, to fill that vacuum. And no matter what you tried, man, you were still empty and there was still a vacuum in your life. And you see, there's a divine vacuum and a divine emptiness that only the presence of God can fill. You know, here's one of the tragedies. <laughs> People say, no, I just want to be happy, Brother Fred. Well, that, that, what, what, happiness depends on what happens. You say, well, I'm going to marry her, and she'll make me happy. Hello. If you're looking for somebody else to make you happy, you, you, your, your happiness is going to be like being on a yo-yo up, up and down on a string. Happiness depends on what happens. I want to talk to you about this abundant life. It's what the world's searching for. There's an emptiness that they know that something's missing. 
And that's what, what, let me tell you what abundant life is. It is the peace of Jesus present in your life. It's his peace. I want you to listen to what he said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afflicted. And let me tell you something. Money came by. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world. I leave my peace with you. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Don't be afraid. Man, it's called peace. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Do you have peace? I mean, it's different from happiness. It's just the peace of God. I got a card, and I opened it yesterday, from a, uh, a man, a dear friend of mine, that is dying of cancer. And in the card, he, he wrote and thanked us for praying for him. But he said these words, said, we're resting our faith and we're resting our hope, of course in Jesus, but on two verses. Guess what one of them was? John 14, 27. Peace I'll give to you, not as the world give I unto you, let no heart your... He said, listen, Brother Fred, we're, we got the peace of God as we fight this battle. We've got the peace of God. And then there was another verse. <laughs> he said they were claiming, and I say amen. I claim it with him, and we as a church. John 4 said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Here's a man battling a life-raging battle for cancer. And you know what he has? He has an abundant life because he has the peace of Jesus. The world can't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. It is the presence of Christ. And then Jesus said something else. And this is abundant life. It's not only peace. It is joy. He said, these things, John 14, 15, 11, these things have I spoken unto you that your, my joy may remain in you. Jesus said, I've told you all this so my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Peace, that's abundant life. It's Christ in us. Joy. Wow. You see, joy is, it can be a lot of big waves, big waves on the surface. But underneath, it's just as calm as it can be. And that can be circumstantial waves in your life. Oh, they're so bad. But you've got joy. It's that steady presence of Christ. It's the inner strength that comes from Jesus. And while there may be a tumult on the sea, underneath there's the joy. You know what the Bible says? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Wow. Abundant life. Jesus lives to give us and live in us. And he came to give us an abundant life of peace and joy. And by the way, hope. That's the abundant. It's got hope. You know, I've done probably over a thousand weddings. I know I have in my life. And there's a lot of pressure in a wedding because you don't want to mess it up. You understand what I mean. You don't want to call the bride by the wrong name. You, you need to get it right. You understand. And then there's a lot of pressure when you do a funeral too because the loved ones are grieving and you want the Holy Spirit to lead you to say the right thing, but you want to be sure 
that you say the right name and everything. And, you know, you get older, you can get confused. You, no, y'all wouldn't know that, but I do. You can get confused. But let me tell you the verse that I use at almost every funeral I ever do of a Christian. 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God of our, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We have an inheritance, listen, child of God, an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, and it's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. It means that when he calls your name, hallelujah, you're going to rise when he calls your name. It's a living hope. You see, that's abundant life. we got peace in Jesus, joy in Jesus, hope in Jesus. Romans 15, 13 says, And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the last thing. You say, praise God, but this is the last thing. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And there is abundant life. Here's the last one. Jesus lives in you. If you're saved, the risen Christ lives in us. And our future is secure. Our future is secure. You see, Jesus not only lives his life in us and through us. It is not only his presence that gives us the power to live a holy and righteous and godly life. It is not only the presence of the risen Christ in us that gives us the power to, uh, the, the power to um, uh, live an abundant life. But in Jesus, we have a secure future. John 10, 27 through 30, listen to this. Is your, or do you, have, you feel very secure about your future? Not only here, but there. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. They're in my hand, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. They're in my Father's hand and no one can snatch them out of my father you know as a child of God Jesus calls us by name and we are in his hand it's eternal life and we are in his hand and we're in the hand of the father and nothing 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 can snatch us out of his hand that's called security as far as eternity is concerned but you know there's a a lot of verses that speak about security. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you. I'm talking about day by day, nor forsake you. I love what Jesus said to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I love that song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. For I know, I know who holds my future. And my future 
is in his hands. Can I ask you this? Do you have ears to hear and eyes to see? Can you say to me this morning, Pastor, Jesus lives in me and he lives his life through me. And I I can say, Pastor, that that Jesus not only lives in me and lives his life through me, but uh, Jesus lives in me and gives me the power to live a holy and a righteous life. And, And Jesus lives in me and I've got an abundant life, peace and joy and hope. And you know, I'm not afraid to live, Brother Fred, and I'm not afraid to die because my life is in the hand of the Son of God who is alive and who won victory over death, hell, and the grave and has Satan and all of his demons under his feet. And one day he will rule and reign over all. Because you see this, don't you? Christ is risen. risen Christ is risen. risen And all of God's people said, and all God's people gave the Lord a clap for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clap your hands, all you people, and shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all you people, and shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph.